that moment just then too just made me think of Wanderlust when they're just like, oh, this is less abrasive. Less. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, I just, we can do this, but it won't catch it. Let's. Uh. Sorry, we watched that during the snowstorm when I was at my friend's house. We were going through some weird old movies, so we were just like, we're watching that one. Yeah, with Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston. I mean, I wouldn't call that old, but... Yeah, I was about to say... <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't mean it... Old. I guess it's like... It's no Casablanca. <laughs> it, it, came out, it came out in 09 while me, Marlo and I were working at the movie theater. What was it? I'm sorry, I disassociated again. <laughs> Wanderlust. <laughs> oh, forgettable. It's it's hard because like my okay, so my best friend has a senior in high school little sister, and we'll be listening to movies or or listening to music and watching movies, and she's like, "Do you guys know that these are already classics?" <laughs> yeah, it sucks. <laughs> like, how look, dare look you? Your, look at your hands. <laughs> <laughs> Hi friends, my name is Celeste and you're listening to Tales to Inspire. day for an inauguration. Half a year after the assassination of Adolf Hitler, the heroes of Operation American Defense are invited to the fourth inauguration of President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. After six months apart, have the rifts that were torn betwixt the heroes at House der Kunst healed, or do the wounds of disappointment still fester? As we open up this issue of Tales to Inspire... Our first panel depicts the White House. And in fact, in the top left corner of this panel, we see a little yellow box that says, The White House, January 20th, 1945. And in the next few panels, we see these people uh, all bundled up, walking towards the, uh, the White House. There is snow on the ground. Uh, the branches of some of the topiaries and trees have little frozen icicles hanging off of them. Uh, it was a cold night. And in fact, we see a dreary sky hanging overhead. Um, a, a stark reminder of the current state of the war. Um, and it is the day of the fourth inauguration of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Um, and because of uh, wartime shortages and also a fear of security, 
the inauguration is not being held at the Capitol building like it has been held before in the past. And so we see all these people gathering. We see uh, people bundled up. We even see some disabled military veterans from the war uh, walking up in their military regalia with their various um, handicaps and physical disabilities that have been inflicted on them by this war. Uh, Also joining these groups of reporters and dignitaries. Um, But also... We see the five of you. Wait, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, five of you. <laughs> Had to count real quick. What's that about? Um, whoops, it is. Forgot how many people there were in this podcast. Um, but we see the five of you. Where do we find you at this inauguration? Are you in the crowd? Are you in costume? Uh, where are you? Can I ask a question? You sure may. <clears throat> Does FDR know that I killed Hitler? Interesting. That's a good question. Interesting. I feel Um, like that's going to determine where my seat is at this thing. I feel... Do we tell them that? That's a group choice. I think that is a group choice. I think what what did y'all tell them when y'all got back to... Uh, like the command center in Europe for the war effort, what what did you tell them happened? I mean, did did anybody see like anybody that was there? I mean, I feel like somebody. Oh, there, so there were tons of people there. So, uh, as far as the German people know, it was actually Red Revenant who killed Hitler, because Drac described. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Drac described Red Revenant as like kind of fighting his way over to Hitler. So during the confusion, or Hitler's body, uh, during the confusion, everyone would think that it was Red Revenant who had done the deed. Um, but that that could have been the news that was coming out of Germany at the time. You could have picked that up as you were fleeing Germany um, somehow. Uh, but then again, what did y'all? The Operation American Defense, what did y'all report to uh, your superiors, as it were? I'm picturing the fact that me and Dr. Fusion were right there when it happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That there was this blurred kind of convo where we both were like, I did it at the same time. Mm. In attempts to did we cover tell up the for... rest of the group? I Gwen Gwen wouldn't have made that effort. Yeah. No, the only communic. Well, I mean, at least the only in recorded communication that we have about it was Red Revenant telling her that he was he was dead. Mm-hmm. No That's details true. on who. But I mean, y'all had it would have taken y'all weeks to escape Germany, make it across the battlefields to where any allied forces would have been. So it presumably if y'all had gone at together, you would have had weeks to discuss this. Yeah. I'm I'm curious, do you think Dr. Fusion and um Geiger Gwyn and Sister Solstice decided to keep it quiet and just let everyone believe that Red Revenant did it? Sister Solstice is going to go with y'all's guidance on this. So she's sure. not going to make her own decision. She's not going to try to okay. like 
Yeah, I would. Um, Gwen was gonna keep it really convoluted because she didn't want it to fall onto that little girl's shoulders, regardless on sure. of what happened. Because obviously, it was a very difficult thing. So there would have there would have been a moment where she and Doctor Fusion kind of finally agreed on something. I think <laughs> I, th- I I think I can kind of visualize like crystal gazer when we all finally meet back up crystal gazer kind of is like so he did it red revenant killed him and we just went we just kind of look at each other yes yep and that's it so like everyone other than us right Mm -hmm. i think everyone other than us three because she could figure it out yeah but she could figure it out if she wanted to, but she's not going to pry because she guys just said, all of you said, yeah, and corroborated the story. So right. unless somehow she gets in somebody's head later on, she won't know that. Yeah, no, that's that's going to yeah. be the un- unspoken um, bond almost between Dr. Fusion and Gwen going from that moment forward because they both are yeah. protecting Sister Solstice then. Can... Crystal Gazer have been invited to be one of the people that stands up beside him. Sure. Oh yeah, sure. since you're kind um, of being and a also face of everything now. Yeah, like uh Hitler's dead, but also Ubermensch is dead. Um yeah. and I would I would assume Crystal Grazer has touted the fact that she killed Ubermensch. Yeah. Uh, I mean, is that she, fair? Yeah, she's definitely done a lot of interviews with news like large news media sites sources mm-hmm. not sites that's not the huge huge news media like uh papers and things like that so mm-hmm. she's mm-hmm. um been all over the place and it kind of like slammed her into like a list stardom mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. she was already like hovering around um yes the the timeline of her fame was Margaret Meadows, leading lady in Gone with the Wind, very popular, starred in other movies. Crystal Gazer starts coming out and doing things. She's very popular. And then the world finds out Margaret Meadows and Crystal Gazer are the same. And then a month later, oh, hell, Margaret Meadows, a.k.a. Crystal Gazer, killed Ubermensch, the most powerful, super-powered being in the world. Yeah. Um, so her, her stock in uh, fame has skyrocketed, to say the least. I like to think that Torchbearer is like, he shows up and he's in like a new, like, clean uniform, you know, bright and shining white in the middle of this very, very gray day. But he, like, chooses to situate himself, like, just near the back, just like away from the crowds, away from any, like, news reporters and stuff that might be hanging around or, like, their whole area, uh, area where they're at. Mm hmm. Okay, yeah. So you're you're kind of hanging back, uh, secluded by the trees almost, along the, the peripheries of the White House lawn. You see these people walking up uh, this, this ice-covered walkway uh, from the south gate walking up, and some people are slipping and sliding, and you're inconspicuously standing. What about the rest of you? I kind of want to do a little bit of an image change. For um, Sister Solstice, but I don't know how it's going to go. But I'm thinking, um, this is probably a stupid question, but whatever. 
Um, I want to have changed my hair to darker. Is that an, I'm assuming there's an option for that in the 40s, yes? They, they've got various versions of um, ink and whatnot, I'm sure, because okay. there, was, there was definitely trends for doing that at home. I mean, women learned how to iron their own hair, so I can see that happening. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think her hair is darker. I think she's in pants. Um, kind of like... Uh, probably like similar to like I'm thinking the the opening act for A White Christmas when the girls are in their like army slacks and stuff does that make sense? Tell me tell me if you approve of this just a little bit because I was thinking of I was thinking of Gwen and her kind of sticking together just a little bit Mm -hmm. and what if we almost had matching three-piece suits I like that. So I've almost got like your hand in my hand. Yours is probably a little bit more conservative because the shirt underneath my blazer is going to be probably more low cut than most other females. But and I've got my signature fedora and you don't have to wear a blazer like I am or anything. But I like the idea that whatever you chose to wear, Gwen played off of it just to boost your confidence even more. I was yeah. like, oh, my little like sister, you look gorgeous. I, I ha- Don't mind me. I just have to do it. Yeah, I like that. Okay. I like that. So so we see the two of you. Are you standing next to each other? Uh, uh, Gwen, are you, like, fixing parts of her uniform for her? Or not her uniform, I guess, her clothes for her. Um, I'm. If she will allow me, she reaches down to kind of hold her hand, almost like pinky pinky holding her, not like grasping her but just keeping her close and as I walk I'm kind of strutting and I just keep peeking back at her and just giving her a wink like this is how you do it and not like a pageant wave but she just picks out you know random reporters oh my gosh Jerry long time no see oh house of wife kids gorgeous I don't care and then she just keeps walking (laughs) (laughs) you you have this interaction with the reporter and then he turns to the person next to him and says, my name isn't Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she, she's just there for um, Sister Solstice uh, benefit. Like, she wants to be there for her because this is... Even for Gwen, who is like a person who loves seeking acknowledgement for things, this is the president. And this during wartime, so she's she's got little mm-hmm. sisters back here. Yeah, Crystal Gazer, I suppose, before everything sort of starts and people start filing out, she's inside, because I assume that everyone who's up there came from inside the building out. Mm-hmm. And so inside, there's a bunch of people, a bunch of old white men she doesn't know, <laughs> talking to her. <laughs> then, then they'll say who they are. I'm the senator from this district, blah, 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 or yeah, I'm yeah. the... I'm the ki- this cabinet member. Uh, like mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. she's like, cool. <laughs> like, oh, it's a pleasure to meet you all. I, I, I'm glad to be here. I, I'm so, I'm so glad they asked me to come. I, you know, and just like doing her whole like trying to be like kind and nice, but it's a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, she's wearing a like, um, a fur coat. Underneath mm-hmm. is uh, like a a suit, a pantsuit, um, and she's wearing a like. 
very nice hat with like a feather in it. Like looking very fancy. Very Kentucky Derby. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Fantastic. Okay. I like it. Um, so we have all these these important dignitaries in this chamber waiting to go out. Uh, and we see a door open to another room. And we see a wheelchair come out being pushed by uh, a Secret Service agent. And Crystal Gazer, it takes you a moment to recognize who is in that wheelchair. Because in the almost two years since you have seen him, Franklin Delano Roosevelt's health has rapidly declined. Uh, He looks haggard. He looks tired. Um... When even when you met him, uh, or from the time when you met him, he had difficulty sitting down, but now it seems like he has difficulty sitting up. And he he strolls out, and he kind of straightens himself up a little bit in his wheelchair, and he looks at everyone. Thank you for being here today. What a dreary day for an inauguration. Let's get it over with. And uh, he puts one hand around the Secret Service agent and a hand around another, a young man who is actually his son, and they lift him up out of his seat, and then the window doors to the balcony are opened, and they walk out. We'll see just a few vignettes of shots as the inauguration address is held. Uh, we see, again, those disabled military veterans uh, placed in a uh, seats of honor here. Um, we see 13 children that are on one of these spiral staircases leading up, these being 13 grandchildren of FDR. Uh, we see reporters that are snapping pictures, um, but we don't see a huge crowd. See these people very tightly packed together, wearing their fur coats, wearing their mittens, their gloves, standing together. Um, Actually, I just remembered this. There were no chairs put here because of how short FDR wanted it to be. So he just put no chairs so that nobody would get comfortable. But we see these people. We see these shots. We see FDR being sworn in by the chief chief justice. We see the former... uh, Vice President is swearing in um, Harry S. Truman, the new Vice President. And we, we see all this. We see uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt give his inauguration speech. So we pray to him now for the vision to see our way clearly, to see the way that leads to a better life for ourselves and for our fellow men, the achievement of his will to peace on earth. And then the people cheer, the 13 grandchildren on steps start clapping, uh, pictures are snapped, um, and then people start to file out, people start to file back into the room, uh, and I we totally did not describe where Dr. Fusion was during all of this. Dr. I was Fusion, wondering if we were going to notice... <laughs> Um, I don't think he's there. Okay. 
So as as we see this panel of people filing out, people walking back into the White House, uh, we turn the page. Where do we find Dr. Fusion? He he's he wasn't at the inauguration, but he is in D.C. Um, and you just see him like like standing on the corner, basically, with a crowd of people, like in the middle of a crowd of people just watching this from afar, from like outside the gates. Um, just in his normal heavy wool suit and bundled up a little bit. Okay. Um, okay. And then I think in the next panel, we have an interior shot of a modest luncheon that is being held inside the White House. There are just some rolls, some stew, uh, very meager. Again, wartime rationing has limited the amount of money that could have been spent on this event um, and then FDR spent even less than what had been requisitioned um, so we see these dignitaries sitting around the table eating and I think we see whoever wanted to be in this luncheon here uh, where do we find you inside this room I feel like for some reason, I mean, if we don't want to do this, it'd be okay. But I feel like for some reason, when they sat us all, they sat us all right smack dab next to each other. <laughs> yes, of course. You're a heroic team. That one table at the wedding where everyone's just like, <laughs> right there. <laughs> yeah, I think we have eight spaces that have been put around this table. Uh, one placard says uh, Dr. Fusion. That desk or that chair is empty. There is a blank placard that looks like it had a name written on it a few times, but it was just erased Aww. a couple of times that and guy. has just been left blank. <laughs> and that seat is also empty. And the eighth seat has um, Sergeant Henry Richter on it. Uh, and that seat is also vacant for now. Now, I know you said this is a very small luncheon, so is there, like, music? Mm -hmm. Is there, like, a, I don't know, quartet or something in the background? Uh, sure. Sure, we can say there is a small quartet. Okay, well, I would be, Gwen would be sitting next to Sister Solstice and trying to get her to eat all of the food that she can, because take it while you can. I know there's not a lot, but this is the good stuff. You're not gonna get the good stuff anywhere else. Trust me. Um, and then Gwen will stand, and she's just gonna hold her hand out to Torch. Would you dance with me? Maybe, maybe not this time. There's a panel of her just looking around. Okay, I know no one else is dancing. (laughs) (laughs) But I promise I'm a really good dancer. I believe you. Just not really in a dancing mood today. Right! Enjoy your lunch! And she just wanders off and um, <laughs> asks a random soldier to dance with her. Well, I think as you're walking away, you run into Sergeant Henry Richter. Oh! Oh. And I think he he had a cup of water, and you like bump into him, and like he splashes it onto his uniform. Oh, uh, she very inappropriately is just like wiping it with her hand, <laughs> not helping. Oh, that, that's that's fine. You don't have to do Did that. Did I get it on your medals? Sorry. 
was just looking for a dance partner. Um, he turns and looks. There's no one else um, dancing. Don't worry about it. She grabs him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you pull him uh, to the dance floor, and you you two start casually swaying and dancing to the music. Do, like if uh, Sergeant Richter is saying anything to her, it's a, she, her answers. Uh huh. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> and just eyeballing towards <laughs> the entire time. Yeah. Uh, and the next panel, we're back at that table uh, with Sister, Stol- Sister Solstice, uh, Crystal Gazer, and Torchbearer sitting there. Crystal Gazer. She's definitely, like, giving these long stares to Torch, but hasn't said a thing. She'll, like, stare at him for a bit, shake her head, and look down at her food. Everybody hates Torch right now. It's so bad. All the women in this Sister, group hate Torch Bear. Sister Solstice is going to take another bite of bread and be like, this bread is so good. <laughs> Do y'all like the bread? <laughs> Like mom and dad are fighting and we're trying to Yeah, mom and dad, please don't fight. Eat the bread instead. <laughs> yeah, Crystal Crystal Gazer like nods, takes a pinch off of it and like eats it and just nods and doesn't say anything. She like glances over at the spot empty next to her. Lets out a little like sigh and like touches her face with like a like ungloved hand. She had gloves on earlier, but she, an ungloved hand. And then um, stands up abruptly. Well, what a nice little reunion. I'm gonna go talk to people. And she like, walks off. Mm. Torch and sister, what are you doing? She seems mad. Yeah. Maybe a little bit. Kind of, he's like, talking to Sister Solstice but not looking like looking at like some like random spot on the table and he just has like this bit of bread in his hands and kind of thinking just like rips it in half Um, what have you been doing since you came back to the states I went back to high school it's kind of a letdown. I can imagine after all the excitement, it's gonna be a little bit lackluster. That's good. Yeah. Uh, schools are important. Good grades are important. Good, good for you. And I got perfect attendance. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to the president's interference. Yes. <laughs> perfect. Did you do anything fun? came back to Philadelphia and just tried my best to pick up where I left off. Stop crime and keep the city safe. Doing what you love, I guess. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. I think I'm gonna go get some more bread. <laughs> Stand something. <laughs> we turn the page. Uh... Uh, Crystal Gazer, where, who did you go talk to? Can I, can I talk to FDR? Is that possible? You sure can. Yeah, he is, (laughs) he is at the, uh, head of the table. Uh, and as you walk up, you see that he is smoking. 
uh, he has a cigarette in one hand, and you see that man that, uh, oh, let, let's do this. Uh, so that man that held him up earlier, his, his son, uh, is leaning down, and FDR whispers something into his ear, and then the, the son nods and then walks out of the room. Why he do that? <laughs> Why'd he do that? Why'd he, Why'd he do, he do that? that, though? Where he what go? secrets you playing, President? He don't want me to talk to his son? I wouldn't <laughs> want me to talk to his son. <laughs> 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 uh, she uh, walks up and uh, smiles really big. Looking a little worse for wear there, Mr. President. Well, we can't all be... Hollywood starlets like you, Miss Meadows. Yeah. I mean, that'd really saturate the market now, wouldn't it? Anyway, uh, thanks for having us. I, I really appreciate being here. Um, I'm sorry that, well, I guess that Dr. Fusion's not here. He meant to come. I don't know what happened. Maybe he got sick or something. Well, I... Hope he recovers soon. And he takes a, a, a drag of his cigarette. So uh, she kind of like looks down for a minute and then looks back up and she's like, I'm sure you read that debrief, didn't you? My most certainly did, ma'am. Um, my teammate didn't agree with what I did and I'm wondering... If I did the right thing. Is that why he's not here tonight? No, not not that teammate. And we do does Crystal Gazer like cast a little glance and then in the next panel we see Torchbear just sitting at this table all by himself. <laughs> eating bread. <laughs> yeah. Just eating bread. Just sadly eating bread by himself. So soaking up a bowl of soup with bread. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then you snap it's, back it's to sad Keanu. The it's present. sad Keanu with a bowl of soup. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, okay, and you come back to the president. Margaret Meadows, you went overseas. You answered a call. And then all everyone has answered. You took your incredible innate abilities and you fought Nazis and you fought for our freedom. In my mind, you killed a powerful son of a bitch that could have destroyed all of America. In my mind, your actions were perfectly justified. She, you can see in the next panel that tears are coming into her eyes, and she doesn't she doesn't let one go, but she nods, and with a quiver in her voice says, "Thank you, Mr. President." And then she reaches down to shake his hand, mm-hmm. and gives it like a pat with her other hand, like he's given her something. Here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she turns and walks away. Yeah. And uh, as you do, you see uh, his son return. Uh, and he walks over to his father and he kind of kneels down. 
And I think before you leave, he, you just see him open up his jacket and you see FDR reach his hand in the jacket and pull out a bottle of bourbon. Uh, and FDR looks at you and says, I have to get through this engagement one way or another. <laughs> Please, don't tell Eleanor. And he, like, pours some into his cup. Mum's the word, Mr. President. Okay. Uh, let's cut over to Geiger Gwyn and Sergeant Richter. Uh, the only two that are cutting a rug. Uh, what, what, what's going on between you two? Um, well, she still keeps, like, glancing in Torch's direction. And she notices that he's alone and obviously, like, having issues kind of working through things that have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so, oh my god, thank you so much for the stance. I, I, my, these heels, you know, they hurt your feet after a while, and I just gotta, and then she just kind of walks off. <laughs> um, okay, four hives. <laughs> she's going to, um, make her way steadily through the crowd, because she's got a plan brewing in her mind, so you see these little, like, thought bubbles in the panel and her eyes are drifting back and forth she's looking at all the wives do any of them look like there's like any of the wives that she's worked with in the past Hmm. Hmm. in this room of dignitaries and their wives all very close to the president I like the idea that maybe yes. I think there is a woman here that you have helped before. So she makes her way over to her and she does the fake stumbling to her shoulder. And she's just like, oh my goodness. My, you look gorgeous. So happy to see you doing so much better these days. And then she just kind of shoots her a wink. Mm-hmm. And she walks straight towards Torch and very blatantly kind of grabs the back of his chair and his armrest and like bends down into his ear. And she's like, Now you see that woman over there? Yeah. What about her? She was in a very bad place not that long ago. But look at her now. Do you see her? Thriving. You know why? Because we help those we can. You can only control so much, dear. She gives him a kiss on the forehead and then walks back off. Yeah, she's right. Uh, let's just take a moment right now. Uh, <laughs> Christy, Christy, was Geiger Gwyn uh, comforting and supporting a friend? Uh, I mean, maybe. Okay. Was she asking me a personal question? Yeah, I don't know if you have a personal <laughs> question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I can get rid of my anger. Yeah. Well, uh, technically the way the, the move is written, okay. you would have to ask him a deep personal question. And if they answer truthfully, they can recover a condition. Okay. Well, okay. So backtrack then a little bit. 
as I, as I'm still leaning into his ear, I'm just like, do you honestly believe you could have stopped what was happening from happening? I have to believe that I could. I have to believe that he was there, I was there, and we were there for a reason. And it's hard, it's hard not to think that if I were strong enough, if I had been fast enough, that I could have done things differently. I could have handled things better. You know? And if I didn't tell Tiny all those times that I would do anything to make him happy, we would have both been in very different places. And that's when I gave him the kiss on the forehead and leave. Okay. Uh, Phil, did Torchbearer answer that question truthfully? Of course. (laughs) Okay. Then uh, go ahead. Which condition would you like to clear? I think I'd cre- uh, clear afraid before anything else. Mm. Okay. All right. Uh, and then we turn the page. Uh, Sister Solstice. Oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, it's like I still feel like Torch at some level has reason to feel all these other things. But fair. Yeah. We- Angry, guilty, hopeless, and insecure. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Fear, That's fear fair. Oh, oh, you got everything marked. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it was a rough fight. We beat the shit out of each other. Hello, friends, and welcome to the mid-roll section of Season 1, Episode 14 of Tales to Inspire. I'm your host, David White. That's right, I've been here the whole time. Sorry, I've been watching a lot of Game Changer on Dropout. That show is incredibly funny. But anyways, let's talk about this show, Tales to Inspire. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope that you are enjoying it, and I hope that you are enjoying the more character-focused, character-driven mentality of this episode, because this mentality will be carried forward to all of the rest of Season 1. We are going to have a lot more plots that are driven by the characters' um, personal stories, but also of their personal relationships, and kind of diving more into those characters, just like we did with Issue Zeros at the very beginning of Season 1. So I hope that you are ready to really get into these characters and learn them even more. Uh, And I'm I'm sorry that it kind of took us, you know, 11-ish episodes to really figure out that, hey, the star of the show isn't just the combat mechanics and, you know, how we can hack the system into something playable, but it's actually the characters and the voices behind those characters. Uh, And that is something that I will have to remember going into Season 2 of Tales to Inspire, because production on season one has wrapped uh well i don't know if it's production i still have to edit the rest of the episodes to get them ready for people to listen to them but like we're done recording season one so now i'm just editing season one and then when i'm done editing season one we're gonna start recording season two anyways as you know We are generously supported every month by the donations of our patrons on Patreon. 
these donations allow us to pay for the sound effects and the ambiance that you hear in these episodes. They also allow us to pay our performers $5 for every hour that we spend recording. But right now, we have fallen below our $400 a month goal. In fact, we've been below our $400 a month goal for a couple of months now. But at the $400 a month goal, I have enough money in the bank to sustainably pay all our performers for each hour that we spend recording. Now, we've dipped beneath this goal. I am still paying the performers for what they do and uh, all the time that they put into making this show great, but we are running out of the bank account. I have gotten numerous, you know, uh, your bank account is below this dollar amount alerts recently. Uh, So please... Please help us get back to the $400 a month goal. Uh, I I know that times are tight, uh, so if you have been a patron, thank you so much for being a patron. Uh, If you haven't been a patron, maybe now is the time to support us for just a little bit if you can. But just know that this money isn't going to some faceless corporation. This is going to some people who are trying to make this great content for you. Uh, And they're all really great people. Uh, These are all really great people. These are dear friends of mine, and we would really appreciate it if you could help me pay the performers for uh, the amazing amount of effort they put into making this show. Uh, And you know, The $5 amount is really a sweet spot. If everybody that watches our show gave $5 a month, we would be able to hit our $400 a month goal. Now, we've kind of dipped on the amount of content we have available on our patron uh, account uh, because, you know, we only have one show right now. Sins of the Father is officially kaput, uh, sadly. Um, But... We are done with Sins of the Father. That means we only have Tales to Inspire. So really, we're only putting out early releases of Tales to Inspire. Now, I would love to put more content on our Patreon for our patrons, specifically our $5 and up patrons. Um, And I have two shows in mind. I'm not going to say anything yet because I don't want to commit to anything before the details are finalized and before we actually start rolling that out. But if you are not a patron... Or maybe if you even are a patron, what kind of content would you like to see us put out at the $5 a month option? Just just let us know. Message us on Discord. Message us through Twitter, through Facebook. Uh, you can even email us at misconceptionspod at gmail.com. Uh, but let us know what you would be interested in seeing at the $5 a month option on our Patreon. Now, we have the $5 a month option. But we have added some extra incentives to the $20 a month option, if you can afford to splurge on us that way. But every month, I will be sending a handwritten note and a little sticker from us to our $20 and up patrons. In fact, this month, I'm going to be sending out some Sins of the Father stickers. Unfortunately, Sins of the Father is no more, but... I still have these wonderful stickers to send to you. So if you would like Sins of the Father decals to stick on your tumblers or your computers or wherever you kids put these daggum stickers, please pledge $20 a month to support us and you will get a little handwritten note from me. And more importantly, you'll get the sticker inside that note. And speaking of Patreon, we do have a new patron shout-out to give. Well, I guess it's kind of a returning shout-out, but I want to say a special thank you to Tony B. Tony, thank you so much for swooping in to help support our show, much like a hero. 
Thank you so much for swooping in and helping support us and helping us get back to the goal of $400 a month. We appreciate you so much, Tony. Love you. If you cannot afford to give to us financially, there are other ways that you can support our show. You can share us on Twitter. Uh, I see all these uh, posts about, uh, hey, what's a good uh, podcast that isn't Dungeons & Dragons related? Uh, Share us to those posts. you could also share. I mean, you could share us word of mouth with your friends. Share us word of mouth at your local gaming store or local comic book store. But it would really help us out if you shared our show with other people. Uh, broaden our horizons, our audience, a little bit. Uh, you could also leave us a review on iTunes. Leaving us a review on iTunes really helps us out. It really increases our iTunes curb appeal, uh, and that would really help people find our show. Also, if you know of any podcast award shows, I am like, I don't know any. I know the innies. I have no idea how to submit to them. But if you know of any podcast award shows that we should like submit ourselves to and maybe get like a little bit more listenership through that, let us know. Uh, Once again, you can email us, Discord, Facebook, Twitter, all of that. We want to grow the show. We want more people to listen to it. And we want more people to enjoy our show as much as you do. But we need some help. Because we're only part-time, and the weight of capitalism is crushing and tiring, and I can't put as much time as I would love to put into this show. But anyways, that's all for our show notes. Let's get back to this very fun episode. Uh, we turned the page to see Sister Solstice walking over to like this table that has uh, all the uh, serving platter set up and there is a, a platter of bread uh, and as you reach over and grab one you turn around and you come face to face with one of FDR's uh, grandchildren and uh, she's looking at you is she older than me younger than me she is younger in fact let's say that she's two years younger than you so she is the same age you were when you were drafted into this when you killed hitler uh, no, no, actually <laughs> less than two years and ago I would, <laughs> and yeah, i would yeah. know i would most likely know her age because like they're no i mean it's the president's sure, sure. grandchildren yeah yeah you know? um so yeah you turn around and she she sees you she's like staring wide-eyed at you mouth slightly agape i take a bite of the roll can I help you? Are you a superhero, miss? Some might call me that. I just saw you sitting over there with... with... Crystal Gazer and the other heroes, and I was just wondering. You... you must have seen some... frightfully awful things over in Europe. I think we have just... A very quick panel of Adolf Hitler's dead eyes staring into yours. And then the next panel is you back in the White House room. You see that her eyes are kind of glazed over, and then she's like, Yeah, I... I saw some stuff. I... I I just think it's so cool. I could... I 
could only imagine what I would do if I had powers. Yeah, I don't really like to talk about it. Oh. She's gonna start to, like, walk away. Uh, oh, oh, okay. And you, you walk away. Where do you walk to? I'll go back to the table. Okay. You go back to the table, sit down with Torch. Do y'all say anything to each other? I hand him a roll. Thank you. I didn't notice I was running out. Always got your back. He's so relatable. Like, I dread <laughs> like that when Ding. I'm stressed out. True. <laughs> Brett, yeah. is, Brett is comfortable. I think... Brett is my wine. I think Brett we makes have... you fat? <laughs> Brett makes you fat? <laughs> oh I, feel God. I feel uh, good. I feel good. I think... We have a panel of you two looking at each other. You say, I uh, didn't know I was running out. And then just a panel of you just looking, both looking at your plates. And then you both take a bite at the same time. Um, and then we turn the page. Do we have any other interactions uh, that any of you want to have? I think Crystal Gazer would have just walked around and mingled yeah. with people. That's and fine. It would have been, I mean, unless there's something remarkable about any of that, I don't think it would just be. Um, no, 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 I don't think so. Um, and I think we, we turn the page to, uh, the Oval Office. Uh, we see, um, we see, what was that? Was that a train? Is this a pit? Um, (laughs) there's just a very loud noise outside. Um, but it's in the Oval Office, this, this place two years ago where you signed the Operation American Defense plans to join the war effort, to bring an end to it. Uh, and the people have left. The inauguration is over. Um, and we see, um, we see uh, FDR is signing some things, talking to an attache, and uh, you, you are ushered in along with uh, Sergeant Hives. Or Sergeant Richter. Um, But upon seeing you enter, FDR says, Ah, yes, uh, we'll we'll take care of this later. Uh, And the attache gets all the papers together and leaves. Says, I apologize. I I have plans to make a trip to Europe to oversee uh, the rest of the war effort that remains in Europe. Uh, Please. Come, yeah, come over. Then you all walk over. He says, I, first of all, I commend you and I thank you for everything that you have done for the United States of America these past two years. Um, I am, of course, lamenting the fact that the war is not over yet, <laughs> mainly because... I could not keep good on my campaign promises, but I assume the American people know better by now. And he uh, smiles and takes a drag of a cigarette. I also am here to inform you that certain higher-ups in the military are disgruntled with your behavior, uh, abandoning the war effort as they see it, in North Africa 
and going AWOL, I implored upon them the gravitas of this decision and, of course, the obvious benefits that have come from it. Even still, my hands are tied and I am letting you know that I am disbanding Operation American Defense. But between you and I, I thank you for your service. I know that what we did was against the rules. Things could have been done better. I hope that what we did in some way was positive and worth doing. I don't necessarily know if the ends justify the means, but hopefully hopefully our small part in this big war will mean something. Torchbearer Grant I believe it will. I did not put this team together just to win the war, although that was an express intent of it. But I did put you together to inspire hope in the American people. When I first took office in 33, America had very little hope. And now that we are in the middle of a war, I feel our reserves of hope are running thin still. I believe you, and people like you, can inspire hope in ways that people like me never could. Maybe never will. So yes, I do think you made a difference, Torchbearer. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you for believing in us. For believing in me. Gwen stands up fast enough to knock her chair back just a little bit. Excuse me, sir. I appreciate everything you just said and everything you've done, but I can honestly say I've never been a creature for inspiration or a creature of action. She holds her hand out for her handshake. I appreciate what we've done. He takes your hand, he grasps it, and shakes it. Tiger Gwen, I must admit I I wasn't fully truthful with you on our meeting two years ago. I said I was inspired by your actions, but it was actually my wife, Eleanor, who put your name in my ear to be a part of this team. You are so inspirational to so many women. Not just those that you have helped, but the ones who have heard of those you've helped. Thank you, Gwen. Thank you, sir. Now, just make sure you remind yourself when you talk to your wife later. She should know. I am not a woman that takes the word no as an answer. And she just walks out. Sister Solstice, Crystal Gazer. 
Uh, Sister Solstice kind of caught um, Gwen's chair when she stood up so fast that it almost fell. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she puts it back. And uh, after Gwen walks out, she's just like looking around like, what am I supposed to do now? But she stays seated. Okay. We uh, appreciate your belief in us. And um, she stands as well and shakes his hand and says, uh, if my daddy could see me now, he probably still would have called me on the names he did, but at least he'd know I was, you know, in the Oval Office. Uh, she um, gives him a firm handshake and uh, ups, gets up and, and follows uh, uh, Geiger Gwen out. Okay. Uh, FDR looks to you, Sister Solstice. Miss Daniels. Yes, sir. I must say, you made me feel quite a fool when I found out that I had sent a 13-year-old girl into the war effort. I couldn't imagine one of my grandchildren being on the front lines, seeing what you've seen, doing what you did. And I would like to apologize to you. I feel that in some way I have robbed you of your innocence and robbed you of your childhood, albeit unknowingly, but still by my hand and by my signature. Earlier today I signed a sizable donation to a small bed and breakfast named the Daniels House in Salem, Oregon. I hope that that will be a restitution to you. Well, you are no fool, but money won't bring my childhood back. But I do appreciate the symbolism. Uh, At that point, there's a knock on the door and the attache sticks his head in. Um, The empress is here to uh, see you, Mr. President. Franklin sighs. Ha, yes. Uh, if you'll excuse me, I... The former empress of Russia is here to speak with me. As you can imagine, she has not been the biggest proponent of my leniency towards the Soviet Union, so... If you would please leave me and my bourbon here in the White Office... Nope. In the Oval Office, I have a very long meeting ahead of me. (laughs) And uh, the two of you uh, walk out, I presume. Um, I would like there to be a panel of Geiger Gwen just kind of propped up outside one of the doors leading outside waiting for Crystal Gazer. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I was... I'm, I'm going to get to you, too. Don't you worry. Right. I've forgotten that y'all just got up and left. <laughs> Don't worry. You're going to get your thing. Uh, but you you two walk out, uh, and as you are leaving, you see the attache is opening the door, and you see this 
a finely dressed woman with jewels and necklaces and just a fine gown. Uh, wartime contrition means nothing to this woman, apparently. Um, and you see behind her two uh, younger people, one uh, apparently her son uh, and a daughter with her as well. Uh, and they are stiff-backed, and they stare at you as you walk by, and then uh, the attaché says, The president will see you, ma'am. It is about time. And then she marches in with her two children behind her, and the door shuts. We turn the page. Uh, where do we find Geiger Gwen and Crystal Gazer? Where did y'all go? Um, Geiger Gwen just posts herself up outside of one of the doors, right outside, um, with her, you know, she's leaning against the wall, like, propped up, kind of just waiting for whoever comes out first, but she was expecting Crystal, actually. Yeah, um, so she, it's, like, outside? Mm-hmm. So, she comes, she comes, like, walking with a purpose like she does like not even see her at first she's just like i'm about to go find doc like this (laughs) yeah and you just see as you like walk by her because you don't see her she's just like i can tell you don't like being told what to do either oh i'm just thinking i'm gonna go chew doc out he was supposed to be here be my buffer then we're going to the same place. I don't feel like my job is done, and I have a feeling he won't either. What does that mean? Don't worry about it, honey buns. Let's go find your man. Well, I don't know if he's my man. But- <laughs> she like gets this blush on her cheeks. <laughs> Gwen just kind of hooks her arm. She's like, "Let's not play anymore." And uh, as you're. As you're walking out, you see Sergeant Richter, and next to him is a figure you have not seen before. You see a costumed superhero standing about six foot eight with uh, combat boots up to the knees, a a t-shirt on, uh, some utility belt around his waist, and kind of like an aviator's helmet with the flaps hanging loose around his chin and like goggles up on the uh, the forehead. And you see them walk around the corner together and Sergeant Richter sees you two coming and like he tries to like turn around and go the other way like y'all didn't see him coming. <laughs> uh, but like he there's there's nowhere to go. You have obviously caught him. Uh, with his superhero and they like he fumbles for a second and he stands stiff back at attention hands clasped behind his back ladies you're gonna introduce us to this tall drink of water aren't you oh hives you know better than that (laughs) (laughs) uh yes uh my apologies um margaret meadows gwendolyn goodman this is masterpiece oh and they are oh, a masterpiece. Nah, 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 nah. Hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Hate it. <laughs> uh, and masterpiece uh, salutes Ugh. stiffly uh, with like his just rippling muscles underneath his shirt, his t-shirt. He salutes, says, "A pleasure to make your acquaintance, both, ma'am." Crystal Gazer grips Gwen's arm a little bit harder. 
<laughs> well, a pl- pleasure to meet you too. Uh, uh, y- you new around here? <laughs> what the fuck did you I completely forgot about Dr. Fusion. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't oh, exist man. anymore. <laughs> they, they both are just like, oh. <laughs> Good lord. Uh, so, okay, you knew around here. Um, <laughs> Stupid, you knew, you knew around here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you come here often? Um, the start of my superhero career has been recent ma'am but I have been conscripted by the president himself and leaders of the military to go over to Europe and see an end to this war which I hope to do and continue your efforts well I guess they got rid of the loose cannon and got him uh, this big old boy you really gotta stop calling me ma'am giving me the vapors (laughs) Oh. Apologies, ma'am. Um, I, 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 I <laughs> oh my goodness, oh my these schoolgirls—they're gone. They're gone. <laughs> David, what have you done? <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> I don't know. I was introducing a hill, and everybody fell in love with him. <laughs> He's a big himbo. <laughs> that's, legit, that's legit. All I thought was just like. Oh, this is every campaign of every TTRPG when the hot NPC is introduced. Like, <laughs> I guess so. I guess it's, so. It's a thing. Good lord. No. Well, we were just about to uh, <clears throat> y- y- walk. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> So cool. Smooth. And uh, Sergeant Sergeant Richter like nods, uh, and he like steps to the side. Uh, Masterpiece also like inches out of the way, so y'all can walk down the narrow hallway past them. You see a very extra sway in Gwen steps, and she kind of actually trips on her heels for the first time in a long time. <laughs> Uh, does Masterpiece catch you? Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah. That's so funny. (laughs) He he catches you. He catches you and he he holds you for a second. And there's just this panel of him like holding you. Oh, like a very like pulp uh, novel cover. Uh, and he's just holding you in his rippling arm muscles. And then just, like, over his shoulder, you just see Sergeant Richter's, like, very sad face Heart- watching this, this exchange. Oh, he cover. just danced with her! Aww. Aww. Yep. Aww. Poor hives. We love hives. You see her just kind of, like, breathing really deeply in one panel, and she's just like, you can let me up now. Yeah, thank you. Whew. And she just, like, looks back at Crystal and is just like, Well, when you get back on your, uh, when you get back on leave, give us a ring, huh? <laughs> she, like, takes Gwen and, like, walks away. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Gwen just keeps looking back, waving, looking back, waving. Like, I did good. I, that, was, that was good, right? I did good. Gwen, you were a dweeb. <laughs> <laughs> now, what were we going to do again? 
were so- we were going to find someone. Oh shit! We were going to find Doc. We were going to find Doc. Let's- oh yeah, Doc. Mm. Oh. Oh. <clears throat> Mention this to no one. No, between you and me. Okay. Okay. And y'all continue out of frame and we turn the page. I feel like they totally missed the point. Like Totally did. They should have been mad. Yes. Right? <laughs> like, there was definitely some underlying issue that we were just like not yeah. into. I, I you, wish that you tall and handsome. I wish that Sister Sol- Solstice had been in the background watching that and like <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Like, tripping up over uh, a man. <laughs> okay. Um, do as I say, not as I do. Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> okay. So um we uh, we turn the page, and uh, I assume we turn the page to the hotel door. Uh, with oh, l- go. Ahead. Let's make it the hotel bar. Okay, okay. So uh, we turn the page to a uh, a bar. Um, we have some people sitting at tables. Uh, where where is Doctor Fusion in this bar? Doctor Fusion is one of like maybe two people. At the bar, like at the bar on a stool, and he's just kind mm-hmm. of slowly uh, drinking a lager. Uh, and I think the the radio is playing in the corner. And we see like a little squawky uh, text box coming out of it. Conflict. The German civil war has come to a close. Reports are coming in from Europe that the Wehrmacht has seized control of the government. For those not in the know, after the death of Adolf Hitler. His second-in-command, Heinrich Himmler, seized control. But this second-rate fascist proved to be quite inept at leading the country. Under Himmler's watchful eye, the Allies have managed to finally seize Sicily. And to make matters worse for the fascists, a reinvigorated Red Army has clawed its way out of Siberia and started to push westward. With national morale dwindling, in swoops the Wehrmacht, to grab the reins of war before it was too late. A few months later, and all reports coming out of Europe state that high-ranking Nazi officials and sympathizers have been captured or otherwise expunged from their office. The new military junta has reached out to pursue peace negotiations, but the leaders of the Allied forces will hear none of it. Give them hell, boys! Meanwhile, the war in the Pacific rages on. U.S. troops have landed in the Philippines. Then we see uh, Dr. Fusion drinking his drink with these scattered people at the bar. Uh, and he's got a, like, a scientific study that he's reading. That's written in, okay. that's written in German. Okay. And as you're just peacefully reading over this peer-reviewed German science study, what happens? I'm gonna say that when they enter the bar and they see where he is, Gwen's just going to lightly push Crystal towards him and be like, I feel like you give a say. Uh, yeah, I, I guess so. I, I feel like I need a shot after that last experience, but okay. <laughs> she walks over behind him and um, clears her throat loudly. <clears throat> he kind of just slowly turns his head back. You stood me up. I suddenly had a feeling that 
There was going to be someone there I didn't want to see. There was someone there I didn't want to see, but I went anyway. How was it? Awkward. I didn't know who the hell half of those people were. I mean, be honest, all of them. I didn't know who any of them were. But, uh, they don't, they're dismantling us. Operation American Defense is no more. Probably for the best, I can return to my studies. Yeah. Yeah, that's important, isn't it? Um, you should have been there, and I'm mad at you about that, but, uh, it's your choice to do what you want to do, Doc, and if... Not being around me, not being around the rest of the team is totally fine with you, that's fine. Just next time, let me know. We're not much of a team anymore, are we? No. You and I have been around together, but the rest of us haven't really even seen each other in six months. Yeah. I, uh... Someone else wanted to talk to you, too, so... She, like, turns and looks at Gwen. <laughs> he, he, he looks over and, like, closes his eyes in, like, preparation. <laughs> I wish you'd come alone. Oh, I miss you too, sweetie. <laughs> Gwyn. Here's the deal, Doc. I know as much as you do that we can do more for this war effort than any of those thousands of men that might not go home to their wives. Their children. I don't care if they disbanded our group. Which, for the life of me, I still consider us a group. And I've never been one to like to work with other people. But I've also never been one to worry about skirting the law a little bit. Don't you want to stop any of those things that have been happening behind the scenes? We know better than most how bad it can get. We do. But my work here is important. And I think we should do some good here. The war is coming to an end. Well, you do what you think is best. This is the best at an olive branch I can give you. I have no issue with you, Gwen. But we're not a team anymore. We could be. And she's going to take a look at Crystal and then look at Doc. I'm sure you can find me if you need me. I'm just going to walk out of the bar. Once uh, Gwen has, is gone, 
she um, looks at him and says, we've been around together, that's what you said. What does that mean? You've hung out in my office. We've had dinner a few times. Yeah. Um, I guess my question was a little vague. So let me be a little more clear. I know what we've done. I didn't forget. I'm just wondering what we're doing next. Um, I believe we had tickets to an opera. She, uh, <laughs> sighs and gives this look on her face like, I give up. Um, <laughs> she says, well, you know, they got a new superhero. I don't know if you heard about that. Just changing the subject. Gwen and I met him. This big old boy. I, they're sending him over. I guess they thought we were loose cannons. I don't know. But they disbanded us and put him on the job all in one fell swoop. Even less reason to not feel guilty about staying home. I guess. I'm gonna go up to my room and I guess I'll see you at the opera. He's gonna like put a hand on her arm but as she starts to turn away. Do you want to stay? Have a drink? Uh, yeah. I never turned down a drink. <laughs> she uh, sits down at the bar next to him and I think like Unless there's something else she wanted to do. I was thinking, like, the end of this shot is, like, her, like, with a drink in her hand. And you can kind of see it over her right shoulder. And he's on her left. And she leans over and puts her head on his shoulder. And then what she says is, You're not as dense as you pretend to be. Okay. And I think we turn the page from that. Um, and I want to give two very quick scenes in order to set up the separate threads that people are going to be pursuing. Uh, so I think we turn the page and we see um, a three-story a three story house with a wraparound porch set and nestled into this little grove of trees uh, that are blooming with cherry blossoms. Uh, And we see in the bottom right, we see a little hanging creaking fence that says the Daniels house. And then the top left corner, we see a yellow box that says the Daniels house, Salem, Oregon. And then the next panel is inside Daniels house uh, and uh, Sister Solstice, which, uh, which, door are you stepping out of as you're returning from Washington, D.C.? Um, I think I am stepping out of my closet. Okay. You're stepping out of the closet. There is a faint glow of magic as you step through uh, and you shut the doors behind you. Uh, What do you do as you come into your room? Um, I'm gonna just like in typical dramatic teenager fashion, just like fall back on the bed mm-hmm. and just. <sighs> and as you fall 
on the bed. The door, you have not had a moment to even sink into the sheets before the door is thrown open by Auntie Arcane, the, uh, the member of your coven that has been sent here uh, while your mother is missing. Uh, and she says, Doris. Yes? Where have you been? If you must know, I was out drinking with friends. <laughs> uh, Auntie Arcane squints her eyes. Sister Solstice rolls her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless of where you have been, we have guests. And may I remind you, hospitality is the primary focus of the Summer Coven. If you are not fulfilling your duties and being hospitable, then you are not truly a part of this coven. There are linens that need to be folded, eggs that need to be beaten. It was only a joke. Chill out. I'll beat the eggs. See that she you pushes do. Past. And oh, you push it past her. Kitchen. Yeah, uh, and you walk down the flight of steps. And as you're walking down the steps to go to the alley, the hallway to go to the kitchen, you hear a knock at the door. I answer it. You open the door, and you see a woman who is standing there in mismatched clothes that are ill-fitted to her body. Her previous beautiful curling blonde hair is disheveled and tangled up on her head. And she has a weariness and heaviness to her as she stands in the doorway. We see this woman standing there. And we see a yellow box that says, Delilah Daniel, Doris's mother. We turn the page. Oh, we turn the page, and in the top left corner, we see a yellow box that says Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And we see uh, some mooks that are carrying these wooden crates, very Gotham City style, from the back of this truck into an old warehouse. And we see this exchange of goods going. One of the one of the men sets down a crate, says, "Well, you're breaking our back, and what for, eh?" And then we see a disembodied text box come in the corner of, of this panel. You are breaking your backs for something you cannot even begin to imagine, you Neanderthals. In the next panel, we see a man in a tattered white lab coat, the cuffs of which are fringed and frayed. The bottom hem is missing and moth-eaten. We see the back of this figure facing out of a, a window. You fools have no idea what is coming. The light is fading. And... We see this man turn towards a panel and we see a jagged scar on his eye. And instead of the white space of an eye and we, the iris and the pupil, we just see a black void. 
and we just see a little text box that says, And in its place, the darkness is coming. End of episode. Rad. (laughs) Rad. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Tales to Inspire. We'll be back with our next episode on February 20th. If you have social media, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Like and follow us at Misconceptions Pod for up-to-date information about the show, behind-the-scenes pictures, and just to show us your general positive feelings about the show. We also have a Discord. You can click the link below to join our Discord so that you can chat with other friends of the show and chat with other cast members directly. We also have an email. If you'd like to contact us that way, you can email us at misconceptionspod at gmail.com. This show is fully supported by the generous monthly donations of our patrons on Patreon. If you would like to join that elite group of supporters and gain access to exclusive content, please consider joining our Patreon. The Tells to Inspire theme song was composed by Esteban Del Pino. You can find out more about his music on fiverr.com slash iam underscore w-a-k-e. Crystal Gazer was played by Marlo Bogus, who can be found at Marlo Bogwich on Twitter. Torchbearer was played by Phil Montgomery, who can be found at BMC Philanthropy on Twitter. Geiger Gwyn was played by Christy Scheidemantel, who can be found at Polish Christy on Twitter. Dr. Fusion was played by Occam Razor, who can be found at Occam Sockum Robo on Twitter. Sister Solstice was played by Carrie White, who hates Twitter and refuses to get one. And I'm David White, your editor-in-chief. You can find me at Mr. Banana Socks on Twitter. The role-playing game system used in this production was a modified version of the Worlds in Peril role-playing game by Sam Joko Publishing, featuring elements from the Avatar Legends role-playing game and Masks a New Generation role-playing game both by Magpie Games. Tales to Inspire is a product of the Misconceptions Podcast Network. Find out more about our other shows and buy cool merch at misconceptionspod.com. And that's it for this week's episode of Tales to Inspire. Thank you so much for listening, and keep it nerdy, y'all. end of session uh, mechanics so Ooh. first of all uh, hi everybody how, how does everybody hi. feel about that episode oof Feeling? I got the vapors <laughs> <laughs> I love that we were on the same page with that <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> funny 
I did not when expect he said he was y'all six to react. Foot eight, I was like, that's legit. <laughs> like, that's what I was just like, oh, that was the oh, best okay. reaction we could have gotten, though, David. Like, <laughs> oh my god, that's not what we wanted, but it's what we needed. <laughs> it is what we needed, <laughs> especially it's, after it's how absolutely rough that episode was. Uh, yes, yeah. How pressed everyone is. Uh, that was a welcome change. Yeah, that was great. That was a fun one. I liked it. Uh, great job, everybody. This this was this was a good episode. Yep. Yes, uh, good yeah. Any any takeaways or any comments before we we jump into the mechanics of this this little session? I want to be friends with Eleanor Roosevelt. No kidding. Yeah, she's badass. Yeah, she's awesome. She is a badass. No. As soon as you said like my wife got you, and I was like, oh. oh. Yeah. I'm currently listening to a Eleanor Roosevelt um, autobiography, and so I'm like, just getting into her childhood and stuff. But I'm looking forward to like oh, having amazing. that. Well, she was a badass lady. Yeah. Any any other takeaways or comments from this episode? I don't know. Uh, the introduction of masterpiece like immediately threw me. Like uh, I, we knew it was coming because we had talked about it, kind of. <laughs> but I didn't. Yes. Know exactly. Yeah. We didn't know. Like had no context. I really? hate that I, name. It's so clever, and <laughs> I <too>. hate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I thought you were going somewhere else with master, and I didn't oh, like no, it. Oh, no, no, no. I assume it's spelled P-E-A-C-E. Yes, it's it's two. It's master and last name P-E-A-C-E. But he's also a masterpiece. Masterpiece. He is. He's yeah. a chiseled it's, hunk of a man, so he's a so masterpiece. good. It's the best. <laughs> There could have been a whole other page of Gwen just being like, Master? I mean, Master? I mean, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. well, like my, my first thought, I heard it, and I was immediately like, that's a little, that's really close to Master Race. Huh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's mm. awesome. She's like immediately throwing. I was like, I don't know how to feel about this okay. guy. Okay, now it's so gross. And then I, <laughs> and then I kept hearing, ma- I kept hearing uh, Master P. Masterpiece. I know. Mix Masterpiece. I just couldn't. Oh, every man. time he said it, I was just like, oh. Na, 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 na. <laughs> Masterpiece. Oh gosh. I love it. Uh, okay, yeah, so Masterpiece has been introduced. He's going to be the the American war hero now until the end of the war, presumably. Yeah. Um, what uh, What about Sergeant Richter? How, how do y'all feel about him? We haven't seen him in a couple of episodes. Poor Richter. Yeah, he just got Gwen a crush on. She's he just like, got a crush on Gwen, and she's already <laughs> turned away from him. <laughs> yeah, he has a. He's got a slightly different role with our group than I thought he was going to. To be honest. Yeah, yeah. So when we, you know, first came up with him, he was gonna be like this butler person, mm-hmm. uh, but like. Y'all don't have a space to be butlered sure. yet. Yeah. And I don't think he'd ever be uh, a butler so I think, necessarily, but he's probably going to be our yeah, like, yeah. guy in the chair in our base when it finally happens. Yeah. Yes, yeah. definitely. That that's the plan. That's the plan. He's very much taken like this. He's the he's the company guy. Like he was yeah. just the the government liaison. Like he was with us and around us and working with us because we were American defense. He's Agent Coulson. Somebody else's American defense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Somebody else has stepped into that role. He's their liaison now. So, yeah. 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 It's definitely going to be interesting. Definitely. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anything else? The team's falling apart. It's gone. We're I not know. a team anymore. No. If if yeah. only the bread could have been better. <laughs> <laughs> if yep. only. If only, if only. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, listeners, uh, off mic, we had a little discussion about, like, what we wanted the back half of season one to be. Um, because, you know, I I come in, uh, I have plans. Uh, you know, I have story ideas in my head. Uh, and then they killed Hitler and Ubermensch. Uh, and all my plans were gone. So... <laughs> I wanted to sit down with everybody and figure out, like, okay, so what? what's, like, our plan going to be for the rest of this season? What do we want to focus on? And so uh, we decided, you know, doing stuff back home, seeing these characters in their natural elements, interacting with these people that are important to them, and we haven't seen them interact with. Um, because, I mean, we have bonds. Like, we have mechanics for uh, relationships with people important to you. And those people are in the United States. Uh, Worlds in Peril is meant to be played like in a single city, and so we are stretching it way past its its breadth, uh, focus as it were, uh, and so we're coming back home and seeing how these characters do at home. What does it mean to be a hero who is not involved with the war effort? Um, yeah, and we decided that after stuff that happened and going AWOL, that Operation American Defense would be disbanded and each of these heroes would be going on their own path to do their own things so uh so we're gonna see what happens with these characters for the rest of the season also we all hate each other we oh, just didn't yeah. want to work with well, each other anymore yeah <laughs> sister solstice doesn't hate anybody oh do you mean the oh, players, I mean the players. Oh, yeah we yeah. viciously hate each yeah. other we yeah. had a big blow i cannot stand oh, these people <laughs> again carrie doesn't hate no, anybody i really like you guys i can't even no, pretend i love all of Aww. you and yeah i definitely yeah no you guys are amazing no nah. No, David's so lucky we're professionals. (laughs) (laughs) I really am. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, are we ready to answer these questions? Yeah, sure. All right. So let's go around the virtual table and answer uh, these questions. Uh, So which character made you feel like a welcome member of the team? How have you grown detached from the team? What dangerous threat or complicated problem did you overcome? And did you fulfill one of your drive book goals? Uh, who would like to go first? Who would like to answer those questions first? I would like to think that uh, Torch and Sister Solstice had a really good interaction. like probably, like, okay. um, And really good bread. Gwen and... Yeah. <laughs> and the bread. Like, can we mark? <laughs> and they had good bread. Can we mark an achievement for bread? Yes. <laughs> um, and Gwen, Gwen and George had a really positive inter- uh, interaction mm. as well. But oh, uh, as far as who made George feel like a welcome member of the team, it would have obviously been Sister Solstice. Okay. So I think that was really good. Okay. And then uh, obviously the, the detachment between... Um, Crystal Gazer and Torch mm-hmm. has put like a rift there. That's, uh, you know, it's just another kind of bad, disjointed puzzle piece mm-hmm. in the 
the weird bad puzzle that is this team right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but yeah, I would I would answer those two. Okay, so uh, go ahead and step back your bond clock with Sister Solstice, and you can clear condition or mark an achievement. Uh, and then for growing detached, go ahead and step up your bond clock with Crystal Gazer by one step. I really think I gotta I gotta mark a condi- or clear condition. Yeah, your your conditions get are these, chock full. Get these conditions <laughs> out of here. Get out. Get out. Get out of here. Um. I think I can also answer some of these questions. Okay. Um, so, which character made you feel like a welcome member of the team? Um, I think it was Gwen, uh, because we mutually fawned over Master <laughs> Rambo. That, yep, that was Master legit. Rambo. Gwen was going to do that one with Crystal Gazer, because it was a mutual moment. Mutual moment. Yeah, um, and then... Have you grown detached from the team? Absolutely. I'm going to mirror exactly what Phil said. Like, mm-hmm. this is not going to get better. And um, yeah. Uh, and then I don't think about, I don't think, I don't think I overcame any problems. Um, but I do feel like I didn't mark it before, but I did unlock my one of my drive book goals by killing Ubermitch. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, let's look at that. So that's Which the one? second one. I already uh, un unhighlighted it, but it's the uh, I'm the law. Okay, okay. So uh, read read for us like the unlock condition of that, and how did how did you fulfill it? So uh, the condition uh, to in order to unlock this particular move, you uh, have to save the city from certain peril, and the majority of of people recognize your efforts. So um, the reports that came out. I would say probably mentioned that she was the one that killed Ubermitch. Now the details are fuzzy because she hasn't, she's like confirmed that she did it, but she hasn't given a lot of details. But I think that that pushing her into the spotlight, spotlight, like the world knows, you know, and we expand, like you said, to the, to your point, like it's not the city necessarily Mm -hmm. in this, it's the whole world. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so, um, I think that that, the the only kind of bit in there that maybe we could argue on is certain peril. Mm-hmm. Because was it really certain peril? Um, that's questionable. But, uh, so yeah. I'm thinking maybe we can unlock that one. I don't know. No, I, I agree. Uh, I think you definitely unlock that one. Uh, so what, what does a I Am The Law allow you to do? Um, so in this instance, um, you can give, you can give a citizen of the city an order or ask a favor and then roll plus influence. And then on a 10 plus I can, um, do one of the following, um, or choose one. So they can either do what I say or back away cautiously or flee or attack. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And you now have all your drive book and all your, well, of course, your origin book, but all your drive book moves unlocked now. Yeah. Dang. I'm, my drive was to become an icon. You're maxed out. Yeah. You're maxed out. I love it. Very dope. Okay. Uh, who else? Who wants to answer their questions? Um, I'll go real quick. So, yeah, the which character made you feel a welcome member of the team? Me and Crystal Gazer totally in a moment. So, okay. um, 
I don't have to worry about our bond clock with that because it's been clear. Yeah, yeah. But I'm gonna mark an achievement. And then this is something I might have to argue, but I think you'll be okay with it. Have I grown detached from the team? Yes, but against my will. Because when mm, FDR okay. disman- uh, like dismantled us or whatever, yeah, Gwen was not ready for that. And she's never been a team player, but she kind of grew attached to the idea of this team. Mm. Yeah. So I would like to up my bond clock to like law enforcement. Or okay, law so, enforcement or public opinion. I I mean that's up to you, but I feel like m- she's more ready to kind of just go against what the government says in order to do what she feels is right. Anyway, okay, I think hmm, that's interesting, and I don't want to yuck your yum, but I'm just trying to think of like how you being pushed away from the team would like step up your clock with somebody. Yeah, I um, guess I didn't really. It well, was like I was pu- I was pushed away I mean, from we the could, team but not because I wanted to, so I don't know if that would do anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's not and, so much that you were pushed away from the team, it's that the team is like no longer existing in the same context yeah, that it was Yeah, before. that makes sense. Yeah, it's kind of like mm, the okay. rug is pulled out from under you kind of. So like the team was taken yeah. from you. You weren't pushed away, it was taken from you. Okay. So, yeah, maybe... Uh, okay. I mean, he's the commander-in-chief, so, yeah, why don't you step up your bond clock with law enforcement? Coo-coo-coo. Step that forward by one. I dig it. Uh, Sister Solstice, I think... Or, Carrie, you were going to answer one? Uh, yeah, I was going to answer the... Um, like, which teammate did you have? How does it say it? Um, uh, which character made you feel like a welcome member of the team? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was gonna definitely say uh, Gwen. Okay. Um, and I'm wanting to clear my guilty condition. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I'm feeling more a part of the team, so I'm feeling more secure in myself. And like being at that, um, being at the inauguration, I realized that like people really don't know that it was me. Mm-hmm. Like nobody knows it was me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so says, I'm feeling confident in that, like the team, like um, Doctor Fusion and Gwen are like keeping their word, um, and and I'm safe, kind of. Okay. Like so. Okay. Yeah. So stepping back your bond clock with Geiger Gwen, which I don't think you've burned yet. No, I haven't. Uh, but you get to clear condition, and you're you're clearing guilty. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Any other questions? Um. Or answers, I guess. I don't think so. Okay. Uh, Occam, have you answered any yet? Not yet. Um, you keep skipping me, David. You keep I know. I don't know what's me. going on. Come on. Hmm. This is going to sound weird. <laughs> I'm actually going to say okay. that Gwen made me feel like a welcome member of the team <gasps> by by telling me that we're still a team and that she's there if we need her he would never tell her to her face <laughs> but he appreciates it <laughs> um so i'm gonna go ahead and step step back my one tick on her bond clock so we're we're clear on that now 
on my end anyways. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You're clear. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then I will clear my afraid condition. Okay. Um, Dope. And then my drive book goal for uh, not on my watch is technically probably available to open, but I'm going to wait until Dr. Fusion talks about it in the narrative, like in role play, to actually go forward with unlocking that. Okay. Um, he definitely felt, felt powerless to help um, Sister Solstice when the whole thing with Hitler came went down. Mm. And he feels yeah. like he could have done more to kind of save her from her own action and her own... Or save her from the situation that she was put into. Um, but mm. until he talks about that with somebody, I'm not going to unlock that drive book uh, move. Okay. So. Okay. Well, cool. Uh, thank you all for recording tonight. Uh, a very introspective episode, very character-focused episode, which... Uh, I I liked I nice change really of pace. Definitely want to do more. Episode. This is so nice. So fun. <laughs> yes. It's so good. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, uh, listeners, thank you for listening. Players, thank you for playing. And uh, we'll have to see what happens with this disjointed team now that they've been officially disbanded. For sure. And I hope that you're here to listen to all of it. Oh, bye. bye. bye.